Guess who's dead? Who? Not Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Not Jesus. Well, welcome to our fourth episode of the Light for Light podcast with me, Daniel, and you. Brother Thomas Therese, comma, OP. OP. So we're back again with another episode. And this episode, if you could sort of gather from Brother Thomas's introduction there, is did Jesus claim to be God? So, Brother Thomas, why is this an important subject? Well, I'll give you the short answer. The answer to the question is yes. Uh, Stay around uh, for the reasons why, though. Yes, for the reasons why, but the, the short re- the short answer is yes. Uh, well, this actually really came up because the, of the amount of people who we've met who not only believe that Jesus isn't God, which is one thing, but they also don't believe that Jesus himself claimed to be God, um, which is really funny. I mean, I think we'll have a, a separate uh, a separate uh, podcast on the reliability and the authority of Scripture. Because uh, I think that's definitely connected. Dan's nodding his head. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, nodding, but I'm, I'm also thinking about all these extra episodes that you keep mentioning. That I keep promising. I'll have another episode on that. <laughs> yeah, so that's basically where this where this comes from, is that not only is Jesus God, but actually Jesus himself claims to be God. And um, yeah, we're, we're going to approach this question from three different aspects. Yeah, from words actions and reactions so often you hear it said that jesus claims to be god in words and deeds but i think it's really funny well not funny it's very interesting to also look at the reactions of people to to jesus uh, how do they react to the person of jesus or what he said or mm-hmm. what, what he's done but i think this this question of is Jesus God? Did he claim to be God? Is he God? He's, he's very important for it Christianity. Right yeah, exactly. It's really important. Because Paul says a very interesting thing about the resurrection. So if Jesus uh, was not resurrected from the dead, then we are fools to be pitied for our belief in mm-hmm. the resurrected Jesus. Our faith is in vain. Our faith <laughs> is in vain. Yeah, yeah. Our faith is in futile. There was something that happened when I was a novice where someone, another theologian actually had written something saying that, oh, yes, of course, you know, Jesus being the Christ, you know, it's all symbolic, you know, uh, you don't have to actually believe that Jesus was God anymore to be a Christian. And I was like, that's probably the one thing that absolutely every Christian in the world probably does agree on. Um, But I remember sort of my initial reaction was I'm not celibate for a symbol. Right. (laughs) I haven't given up, you know, very, very good things, uh, you know, just because it's all symbolic. And, uh, you know, no. So this cuts right to the center of what Christianity is. Mm. And I think that like like anyone, though, if anyone says they're a Christian, you 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 give up stuff to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. You know, everyone does. So it does cut to the chase. Yeah, is is Jesus God? Okay, so we're looking at this from three, mm-hmm. three different areas as you as you mentioned. So words, actions, and reactions. So if we start off with with words, have you got anything that Jesus claims in the Gospels? Well, there are this? plenty of things that that Jesus claims in the in the Gospels. Oh, I might I might uh, just say, <laughs> Brother Thomas, th- this episode could go on for hours. But we're going to try and keep yeah. it into to half an hour because there's so okay. much that could be said about these things. But I just want to put it out there. You're saying that to rein me in, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically saying it for you. For, I'm saying it for the benefit of all of us to rein you yeah. in. So we don't have to listen to you go on and on. 
<laughs> I don't blame you. Okay, so um, words, what have you got? Well, I mean, okay, so if we look at some of the titles that are used about Jesus, so some of the earliest parts of the New Testament uh, that we have, you know, Jesus is called Kyrios, which means Lord, which is used in the Old Testament uh, and the Jewish context uh, that Jesus was, was living in to refer to the God of the Old Testament, right? So to refer to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, of Moses and the prophets. So Jesus is already situated by uh, Paul, by the gospel writers. And if, if you believe, as I do, that the gospel accounts are credible, are credible accounts, not only by the authors of those gospels, but by Jesus himself, he says things and does things uh, and react. Uh, people react to him as though what he says and does he means, and he claims to be God in those ways, right? So mm -hmm. the the title, if you want to call it that, the title Kyrios is something which is connecting the identity of Jesus with the God of the Old Testament, right? So that's, I think, one of the first fundamental things to, so it's, to it's, say. Kyrios is a, a Greek word, I guess? Yes. And it's a, a title. Mm-hmm. Which so means Lord, the, yeah? Yeah, so it okay. can be, in, in ancient Greek, you, you can translate it Lord or Sir, but it's used in a very particular way instead of using the divine name, because the divine name was seen to be uh, revered, powerful, reverenced. Um, there is another title, Adonai, uh, which is used, and it, it became to be seen uh, to be, even that was too close to the divine name. Right, so then ah, so they came up with curious. So the the divine yeah. name, mm -hmm. the divine name would be, would be what? Oh well, <laughs> it's it's unpronounceable, right? So I mean, ordinarily, I mean, we 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 don't say the divine name out of respect for the Lord, right? But of course, we now also have another divine divine name, of course, because Jesus, Jesus's own name is divine if jesus is divine <laughs> right his name is jesus so jesus of course meaning god saves and the dominicans uh, throughout history have been uh, at the forefront of promoting devotion to the holy name of jesus so uh sometimes yeah, i suppose you see it in sorry you see it in the new testament where well at the name of Jesus, every knee, every shall, knee shall bow, bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Yeah. And that's the word he's using there, Kyrios, because Kyrios, the New okay. Testament was written in Greek. Um, yeah. So, so that's, the, that's the word thing. Kyrios, the title Kyrios, is, is also used in secular ways as well. I mean, it's used mm -hmm. for like Caesar. We say mm -hmm. uh, it's used and in this the Greek is, This is another thing, right? So... Caesar and and also Alexander the Great and his followers, they did sort of uh, claim some sort of semi the semi divine status for themselves, and the monotheism of Judaism, and the uniqueness of Israel's religion flew straight into the face of that, and Christians took that on also for Jesus precisely because they understood Jesus to be divine. So in calling Jesus Lord, it's also standing up to and standing up and against and in opposition to the claims of Caesar to be divine uh, or, okay. or, or sort of semi-divine in, 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 in some way. Mm, okay. There's another title 
uh, son of God, which is used to talk about talk about uh, talk about Jesus. At Jesus' baptism, of course, God says, "This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased." Saint Paul also uses the title "Son of God" to refer to Jesus, particularly in connection with the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, it's not a, a sort of um, a general title that's applicable to others, right? So we might say, "Oh, we're all God's children." Uh, now that is true. <laughs> that is true. We are all God's children. But what what they're trying to do what they're trying to do with this title is to show that there is something unique about Jesus. So as Christians, uh, Paul calls us all adopted sons and daughters of God. He calls us adopted children of God, whereas Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. So it's a way of showing yes that Jesus is distinct from the Father because he's the son of God the Father, right? So it shows that Jesus is distinct from the Father, but it also gives him a unique status. And it's 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 trying to capture that there is something different about Jesus, fully God and fully man. Yeah, it reminds me of one of the things which Jesus says, which makes him very different from other people, is that he demands an absolute love, an absolute service from from other people. So he, mm. he says in Matthew's Gospel, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, if I don't know about you, but if I read around saying that, people would be like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> what are you bold. claiming? It's a very bold claim, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of Jesus's claims are very bold, but here he's saying that Jesus should be the one that's loved more than others you know just like god should be loved more than others jesus here is claiming really to to be yeah god. and that's the thing i mean it would be really scandalous wouldn't it if anybody said that but the, the reason why jesus can say that and it's not scandalous is because of who he is because yeah. he is god <laughs> that that's exactly the claim that's that's being made here you know yeah, yeah. okay so, so any other examples of what jesus yeah. says so if we look at the beginning of the, the Gospel of John, uh, at the beginning of the Gospel of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then later it goes on to say, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, it's very, like, everybody agrees uh, that the Word that's being spoken of here in John's Gospel is Jesus. All the scholars agree that that's exactly uh, who it's referring to now it says the word was god right so the word was divine and it says that the word was with god so distinct from the father so yeah so the word was god jesus is divine the word was with god jesus is not the father the son is not the father and the word became flesh well who became flesh jesus became flesh so jesus took on jesus took on flesh Mm. Okay, so there are some of the things that Jesus says about himself or some of the things which the Gospels say about Jesus to, to say he's divine. But does Jesus back it up? And that's our, our, our next section, if you like, is actions. Does Jesus back it up? One of the things I was thinking about is the miracles that Jesus performs. You know, other people uh, perform miracles in the Old Testament and even the apostles perform miracles in the, in the New Testament. But the difference with Jesus's miracles are that they're performed in his own name and his own power. So when the Old Testament prophets perform miracles, they're, 
they're doing it in the name of God or in the power of God. Mm. But when Jesus does it, he does it in his own name. He he heals in his own name. Uh, he 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 performs the miracles in his own name and his own power. And then also after, I suppose this is a sort of re- reaction. But the apostles, after Jesus has died and risen from the dead, they start performing miracles in the name of Jesus, knowing that before Jesus, uh, mm. miracles were performed uh, in the name of God. So here they're attributing to Jesus the, the very power of God. And if you don't think miracles can happen, listen to the last podcast. <laughs> there we are. That ties in well. <laughs> <laughs> but any, can you think of any actions? Did you come up with any All sorts actions? of stuff, right? So, Ooh, uh, you know, Jesus forgiving sins, um the calming of the storm showing that he has power over the creator daughter he has power over the natural world his healings and his uh exorcisms um he resurrects lazarus from the dead in scripture right he resurrects lazarus from the dead also the son of the widow of nain he brings back to life you know he sees a widow who's going to bury her own son and her husband has died and jesus has compassion and pity for her and goes over and and touches the um touches the outside of the 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 i can't remember the word now but i think it's basically <laughs> i think it's basically the coffin um and says you know arise and and he does he arises and he goes off with his mother and there's great celebrations and everything so yeah the forgiveness of sins is a very important one for his context because of course only god has the authority to forgive sins um and so yeah by by claiming this authority he's claiming a divine status jesus later then uh claims to have the authority to be able to give other people the power to forgive sins because he breathes on them uh, he breathes on his his disciples uh giving them the holy spirit and saying whosoever sins you forgive they are forgiven and whosoever sins you retain they are retained you know also it's a pretty big thing to claim isn't it it is, you know, and you, you, I think we've spoken previously, I think it was in the last episode when we were talking about miracles, about the uh, the paralytic who was being yeah, lowered, through the, uh, roof. lowered yeah. through the roof. And he uh, says, you know, I, I tell you, uh, your sins are forgiven. And uh, what's the reaction to that? You know, who is he that he thinks he can forgive sins? Who does he think he is? You know, mm. and Jesus says, well, you know, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk. And he said, well, just to show you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth, I, you know, take up your mat and walk, and he does, and off he, off he pops. Well, there's <laughs> a, a really good example of our, our three topics, just to reiterate them. So he, he claims, so in words, he claims to be able to forgive sins. He backs it up with action, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the miracle. And then you have the, the reaction to this, you know, the, from the people uh, around him. They, they mutter... Only God can forgive sins. So you have those three yeah. things, words, deeds, and re- reactions there, just there's, in that there's one more, example. There's more, right? There's, like, there's also the exorcisms. Um, actually, that would be a really cool podcast episode to have exorcisms. <laughs> <laughs> um, healings and exorcisms, right? So when, the, when Jesus comes into contact with people who are possessed, very often they'll cry out with uh, a claim about his identity. You know what? What? What will you uh, do with us, Son of the Most High? You know <laughs> that again. The the demons themselves are recognizing his uh, divinity, and what does he do? He casts out the demons. Uh, even the demons recognize who his identity is, right? And that I think, as a word of ooh, a word of warning, 
might also go to show it's not just enough that you recognize Jesus is who he claims to be. There's got to be more than that, right? There's got to be more. There's got to be charity, faith, hope, and love. There's there's more more than just recognizing that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Even the demons recognized who Jesus claimed to be, mm. right? But they were without charity. Oh, so, it's yeah. a, an act of faith, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. yeah. That's the res- response here. We're talking about an act of faith, but we're, we're, I think we'll come back to that just at the end. Mm. Yeah, so we're moving into reactions now. So one of the things I was considering was the reaction of people to, to Jesus in Matthew's gospel. So Matthew describes the wise men coming to Jesus to worship him. And then he, he says Herod lies about wanting to go and worship Jesus. And then when the wise men visit Jesus, they fall down and they worship him. This is very interesting, but obviously that is when Jesus is a baby. But then we see later when Jesus uh, starts his public ministry, he goes into the the desert and he's tempted by Satan. And in reply to one of the temptations, Jesus says that only the Lord God should be worshipped. So he he recognises, he knows that only God should be worshipped. And then later, a few chapters later, we have the story where the disciples are on the boat and there's a big storm and Jesus is sleeping and the disciples wake Jesus up and he calms the storm and their reaction to that so that's a miracle the reaction to the miracle is that they fall down and they worship Jesus but Jesus doesn't stop them so even though he's so earlier on he's recognized that only God should be worshipped and now he's not stopping them from worshipping him and there are other examples we could say, like the two Marys start worshiping him, that sort of thing, or the apostles mm. worship the risen Lord. The worship is reserved for God alone, right? Yeah, which mm. is is fascinating because we see that's their reaction. Have you got any examples of reactions? Uh, only uh, there's only one that that comes to my mind uh, straight away, and this comes uh, in the Gospel of Mark. I remember when I was an undergrad at Heathrop. Uh, I remember in one of my essays for Anthony Baxter, lovely, lovely man. I remember making saying that, you know, scholars claim that, you know, you see an increase in Christology in the Gospels, right? So in the Gospel of Mark, they'd say, uh, oh, it's the earliest gospel. So you find a very low Christology. Jesus doesn't really claim to be God in Mark's gospel, which is a load of nonsense. And then you, by the time you get to John, you have all these I am sayings, you know, you have heard it said, but I tell you, I am the bread of life. I am the way, truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So you you have all of these sort of um, scholars who, who would say that you have this increasing, increasingly, increasingly as time goes on, Christians realize he's divine. And this is an example of why that's not true. Look okay. at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. And you'll, you'll, you, this is when Jesus is arrested and everything, and he's taken to the, to the, uh, the Sanhedrin, and uh, I, th- I think it, it's Mark fourteen sixty two sixty four. I, I think I, I could check that up. I'll, I'll, I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> um, but basically, the high priest rises in front of the assembly, questions Jesus, saying, you know. Have you got no answer against these men who are testifying against you? And Jesus, at first he's silent and he doesn't say anything. 
but then he says, then the high priest says to him, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the son of the most high? Are you the son of the blessed one? Then Jesus answers, I am. And so he doesn't just say, I am, ego me, and I'll go on to that in a minute. I am. He says, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. At that, the high priest tore his garments and said, what further need have we of witnesses? You've heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as deserving to die. You have heard his blasphemy, says the high priest. So the high priest's reaction to what Jesus says, and that's the thing, like the high priest recognizes the divine claim that Jesus is making in front of him while he's on trial. And he's so angry, he tears his garments and says, you know, you've heard this blasphemer. What more need of witnesses have we? You've heard it from the horse's mouth, is what he's saying. He not only, he, he takes Jesus at his word and takes him as claiming to be divine and he rips his clothes so that's a, re a reaction that the high priest has mm. and it's also one of those strong claims to divinity that we have in the gospel of mark so when i spoke about ego amy just a second ago so that's a a greek term meaning i am or i am he um or you might want to say i am the one um we also find this in the old testament in the book of exodus uh, we also find this a lot in the Gospel of John. Um, and what, uh, why this is quite significant for a lot of scholars is that it references, again, the divine name. So when Moses uh, has this theophany or this revelation of God before the burning bush, uh, uh, Moses says, you know, who shall I say sent me? Basically, I'll translate, I'll translate what is your name? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for that translation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, basically he says, uh, yeah, you know, who who shall I say is the one who is who is sending me? You know, when I speak to Pharaoh, and God says, you know, I am that I am, uh, ego me. Uh, and this is something that that Jesus also says uh, a lot in the Gospel of John, but not only in the Gospel of John, also in also in Mark's Gospel. And this is seen to be again this this claim this claim of divinity. Um, yeah, I mean, you do have other examples of ego Amy. You know, it's not just that we can take this on its own as as a proof. It's part of a cumulative a cumulative argument with everything else that is said everything else that happens all the other what is it you what is it you said like the sayings actions and reactions something like that yeah um, that's right with all of these Words, things actions and reactions. yeah they gain a greater weight because ego me does just mean you know i am so if you said ego me such and such you know you could say i am a farmer or in a, a classic example that i often use with my brothers when they make a big deal of the ego amy statements is to say well what about you know uh the blind the blind man i think it's in john 9 because he also says ego amy uh why is it that when jesus says it's got bells and whistles on and because mm -hmm. we need to be able to answer these questions right mm -hmm. and the whole point is because of jesus's identity because of who he is um yeah anyway maybe that's it Maybe I'm going on a bit. <laughs> I, mean, I don't you know mentioned, how long we've got left. <laughs> you mentioned uh, well, a few more minutes. You mentioned an interesting thing there about the the, the other Gospels showing mm. Jesus' divinity. So mm. one of the things I notice in Mark's Gospel is that there's there's this wonderful passage where Jesus is walking ahead of the other, well, ahead of the disciples. And their reaction is amazement and fear or 
awe and fear. And mm. those two reactions to someone are used throughout the Old Testament in reaction to God. So you have yeah, people... Yeah, the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. You have people fall into the ground when they encounter God. And mm-hmm. but it's, it's like in the Garden of Gethsemane. I remember you telling me before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, t- Tell our listeners about that. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus has so when, been arrested. When, he come, when they come to arrest him, yeah, and they come with like clubs and stuff, and they, uh, he, you know, he says, "Who do you seek?" And they say, "Jesus of Nazareth." Sorry, in my mind, I've just got our our Easter liturgy going over in my head because we sing this gospel. So, so in my mind, <laughs> what I've got going around is all of these different tunes and the sort of the fear and panic of having to learn the tunes. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so basically, Jesus says, "Who is it you seek?" They say, Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I am he. What does he say? Ego Amy. And what happens? They all fall to the ground, you know? They have this reaction to to uh to him saying Ego Amy, which again is reminiscent of the divine name. The the reaction that they have to him saying Ego Amy at this situation in the Garden of Gethsemane is the same reaction that we see in the Old Testament. Uh, at the presence of God, and they all fall back to the ground. This is in uh, John's uh, John's Gospel. I think it's cha- chapter eighteen. I think, um, so you can go and go and look it up. You can go look it up. <laughs> yeah. But he that... also says, actually, this is one thing that I forgot about. I think it's in John eight. He says, you know, before Abraham was, I am. But of course, Abraham was, you know, centuries and centuries before. Uh, before the time of Christ. So again, this is another very strange claim. I mean, if you're going to claim that Jesus himself did not claim to be God, you have to be able to explain all of these instances, all of these sayings, all of these reactions. You have to explain why he died. You have to explain why the apostles were happy to be, uh, I use that term, you know, guardedly, (laughs) Why, why they were all prepared to go to their deaths because they claimed that he was divine. You have to explain all of these things away. Not just one thing, you have to be able to explain each and every single point that we've said, every saying that we've mentioned in the gospel, and we've, we, haven't, we haven't even scraped the barrel, have we? We haven't, we haven't even, what is it? What's the, what I think it's called? skimmed the surface. Skim- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's we exactly what I mean. Surface. We've not, we even, skimmed we've not even skimmed the surface, you know. Yeah, and we're not scraping the barrel. <laughs> You have to be able to explain every single one of these, uh, every single one of these points, right? Yeah. One of the things you you mentioned earlier on is that the, the reaction of the people is, I mean, it's fascinating. One of the stories I found in John's gospel is that when, when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, like the, the reaction of the people is really interesting. So the Jews, they want to stone Jesus to death. And it's like, what, why do they want to stone him to death? Exactly. I am one with the Father. So what, what does mm-hmm. he mean? And mm. they, they give us the meaning of why they want to, to stone him to death. And, and they say, we are not stoning mm. you for any good work, you know, not for mm-hmm. the miracles, but for blasphemy, because mm-hmm. you, a mere man, claim to be God. Yeah. Or another translation, you make yourself God. It's like, there, there it is. Their reaction mm-hmm. to Jesus is that he is claiming yeah. to be God. Their reaction as well when he says, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood in, I think it's John chapter six. What happens? They walk away. They walk away. Yeah. But before that, they all <laughs> they all say, you know, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, we know his mother and his, uh, you know, we, we know his mother and whatnot. We know we know where he comes from. You know, uh, how can this man claim to give us his his 
uh, flesh to eat. But what does Jesus say? My flesh is real food. My drink is real drink. You will not have life within you unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man. And of course, there is a prohibition in Judaism against, uh, I mean, there are certain, you know, food laws and things, but there is certainly, <laughs> there's certainly a food law against cannibalism and eating human flesh and all the rest of it. But there's a misunderstanding of what what it is that Jesus is 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 saying here. And the, the reason and the way in which this is possible is only because he is God, right? It's only because he's God. Um, but how do they react to it? They know what they're saying. They know what they know what he's saying. And what happens? They walk away. They walk away from him. They walk away. They're not willing to follow him any further. Mm. I, I suppose all of these things that we've said, all these different examples, so the word, re actions and reactions. You can tell I like that. I think it's quite piffy. Words, <laughs> actions and reactions. I have to keep, keep saying it. So we said all these different things. The question is, is it proof enough? Is it enough to give us certainty mm. that Jesus is God? And I would say, I say no. It proves that it's most reasonable to mm. conclude that Jesus is, is God. But it doesn't give us certitude. And that certitude only comes with the supernatural gift of faith. Yeah, faith is always going to be necessary. And a, and a, salutary, is a salutary act, right? Um, what does that or mean? saving act, a saving act. Sorry, saving act. <laughs> it's it's a saving act, right? God desires us to be saved by faith, and faith is more than just a sort of accepting intellectual propositions. Uh, faith is something which uh, is a sort of a movement of your free will by love. In, in in response to something, I, you know, I'm not going to go into it because it, it's going to be really complicated, and I won't shut up. So. Yeah, I, I was thinking you're getting a bit complicated here. I suppose that the the point is that all these things leave us at the point of of saying it's reasonable to conclude that Jesus claimed to be God, that people yes. thought he was God, uh, that he yeah. acted in the very person yeah. of God, and then we we're left with an invitation yeah. to go beyond that and that, no, so, I, that I, very I invitation it's also important okay. i think it's also important that we point out that no serious historian no serious scholar no serious academic believes that jesus didn't really claim uh to be god uh that no serious uh historian or or, or academic um really disputes that jesus existed and that this is uh who he claimed to be and why i mean we could have we could have looked at other uh other things like was it um oh what's his name oh I mean, outside of the gospel remind me yeah like tacitus? Oh, what's his name tacitus there we go <laughs> <laughs> uh there are there are plenty of other there are plenty of external sources to scripture that we that we uh could have cited um yeah but we didn't so that's also something that's important to say that no serious historian or scholar uh, thinks that, or maybe I'll phrase it in the positive sense rather than the negative, uh, all serious uh, historians and scholars believe that Jesus existed and that he was, uh, that he claimed to be divine and that he was understood to be divine by uh, his followers and this is why he was put to death. They might add other things to it as well. They might talk about politics or, or whatever, you know, um, they might talk about all sorts of different things. But um, yeah, this this isn't really something that's really been disputed in, in scholarship, um, seriously. 
Brilliant. Okay, so we'll wrap up <laughs> our fourth episode there. Thank you for joining us for this episode, and we'll be back soon with another one. I think we've got some interesting plans for for a future episode, so do tune in mm, for yeah. for those subjects. Maybe we'll, some guests. We'll leave you there. With the, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave you there teasing the the next sessions. See you next time, or listen to us next time. <laughs>